Hello, I'm Lisa Hilton, and I'm here to brighten your day. Each episode, I'll share three things that have brightened my day. It might be something I just learned. It might be a new kitchen gadget I discovered. Or it might be a new bottle of wine I uncorked. Then I'll invite a guest to share three things that have brightened their day. Our brains on positive are happier, less stressed, and more productive. Together, we're going to start a ripple of positivity that will spread. Let's go make some waves. Hi, friends. Lisa here. For those of you who know me, you know that positivity is my beat. It's how I make my living. It's how I'm wired, and it's one of my top five strengths. My guest today is Greg Sanker. Greg is a senior leader in IT transformation and service management. In other words, Greg's a tech geek. Greg and I met when we partnered to lead organizational change from both the business side and the people side of things. I haven't seen or talked with Greg in over a year and a half. As we enter the aftermath of a pandemic that has upended the way businesses traditionally run and operate, and technology continues to offer necessary solutions for digital transformation and connectivity, I've wanted to check in with Greg and see what's new in his world. We used to meet at a really great Indian restaurant in downtown Salem to talk things through, but today we'll have to make do with Zoom. Before I check in with Greg, I want to share the three things that have brightened my day. The first is storytelling. There's nothing I love more than a great story. I love when a book sweeps me up on a journey with twists and turns and emotional dives. There's nothing better. Oftentimes, they come in the form of a song. And unfortunately, we lost a great songwriter and storyteller in the passing of Nancy Griffith. She had the ability to create human connection and recognition in her songs. She could turn things that delight us and shape us, our loves and losses, our griefs and sorrows, into songs where we recognized ourselves in them. I never saw her live, but in the videos I've watched of some of her live performances, she was a master at finding the point of trust with her audience, so you felt she was singing right to you. I enjoyed playing through a number of her songs and getting lost in the stories. I got a big smile on my face the other night after playing Love at the Five and Dime for Aria. After it was finished, she looked at me and said, Again. Rita was 16 years and Eddie was a sweet romancer, and he'd sing, dance a little closer to me. It's closing time, and love's on sale tonight at this five and dime. The second thing that has brightened my day is creating a vision board. It was an assignment for a leadership program I'm in, and it turned out to be something I really enjoyed and I know I'm going to value. A vision board is a collage of images, pictures, and affirmations of one's dreams and desires designed to serve as a source of inspiration and motivation. I started out by making a list of things that were important to me and that I wanted to see in my life in the next year to five years. I got a bunch of magazines out and went through and found pictures or images that fit with my dreams and desires. I made a collage and I showed it to Aria. I asked her, what do you see? Mommy, I see a mess. Well, from the lips of babes, I have a lot of things that I want to accomplish in my life. It could get messy. 
I have it tacked up on the whiteboard in my office. Each time I look at it, I'm reminded of what's important to me and what I value. It's really powerful. And a part of me agrees with Aria. It's messy. But what's clear to me is to make my vision a reality, I just need to focus on one image at a time. The third thing that has brightened my day is red velvet cupcakes. In our house, Saturday morning is grocery shopping day. Last Saturday, I was at the checkout and placing the items on the belt. And suddenly I noticed a box of red velvet cake mix. I'm pretty sure I hadn't put that in the cart. One look at Aria's face and I knew just what had happened. Did you put that there? Yes, she smiled sweetly. Okay, fine, but you're going to help me make them. I've eaten red velvet cupcakes before, but I'd never made them. So it was kind of a cool science experiment to watch the brown cake mix turn bright red when we added the water and oil. And it's not a red velvet cupcake unless it has cream cheese frosting. So we made the frosting and then put it in a frosting bag. I let Aria choose the tip. I got to decorate the first four cupcakes and then she did the rest. Mine were very traditional swirls of frosting. Aria's were very creative. Some looked like tic-tac-toe boards. Some had dots and some looked like the tracks of a roller coaster. You decided which cupcake to eat based on the frosting to cake ratio you preferred. And I must say, most of Aria's are gone. And speaking of creativity, here's a positivity tip for the day. Set aside some time to write a short story on something that has brightened your day or a blog on something that interests you or try writing a poem. Draw, paint, or bedazzle an object. Share your creativity with others. My guest today is Greg Sanker. Greg is a former CIO, international speaker, author, and senior IT leader with unending enthusiasm for excellence. He speaks regularly about leadership excellence, IT transformation, and service management. He was recently named HDI's 2021 Top 25 Thought Leaders in Technical Support and Service Management. And for those of you that don't know, HDI stands for Help Desk Institute which is a leading organization for IT support and service management professionals. Greg is also the author of IT Change Management, a Practitioner's Guide, and ITIL4, Change Enablement Practice Guide. I think it's safe to say I haven't read either of Greg's books, but he's one of my favorite big thinker friends. I love having thoughtful discussions about life and change management and how to deliver exceptional customer service I'm excited to have him as a guest on my podcast today. Welcome, Greg. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Well, hey, before I ask what's brightened your day, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what's it been like to be an IT and service management professional through this pandemic that has forced us to embrace and get more comfortable with technology. So 2020 was a banner year for IT as an industry. That's for sure. And there, and there was a whole lot of adapt, improvise, overcome that's been happening. And it's been great to see and hear all of the stories that I hear all throughout the industry. But it occurs to me, Lisa, that the real lessons of 2020 wasn't the technology. I mean, IT people are good at that. And they're 
always all too happy to rise to the occasion and help out. But here's Mm -hmm. the real lesson. I think that all of us, IT and business and organizations all around the world, we were challenged in how we work, what, what it actually means to work. We explored new ways of working. We learned that technology has really fundamentally changed the equation way more than we actually ever thought. And now that we kind of can see the end out there, the question is, what are we going to do with this new knowledge? We've Mm -hmm. realized that we've changed in ways that we don't yet fully understand, and we're not quite sure what it means yet. And we've really renegotiated our relationship with our work and our time and our geography. It's not a, a new normal. It's now normal. What do we do now? And I think that's the most exciting thing for me. I love what you just said, renegotiated our idea of how we work. That That's probably understatement of the year, but it's absolutely correct. And if people haven't been able to pivot or renegotiate or reinvent, they've suffered. Yeah. And there's been a fair amount of that. I mean, you you know, from the work that you do, it's like, we're emotional people. We're, we're organic people and we draw energies from other people, which I'm going to get to in a minute. But I mean, the isolation of being alone and, and the only way to reach out is through Zoom or through Teams or through social media. And it's really challenged us. And, and I think in some ways, we've built better connections with our own family where we, we've had no option but each other. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like little house on the prairie all over again, <laughs> uh, where it's like, hi, you again, right? And so we don't have that option. But I think we really learned a lot about ourselves, about how we work, how we think. Yeah. Well, thank goodness for people like you that help tech challenged or tech frightened people like me get comfortable with technology. So now, you know, what this show is about, I'm very interested to hear what are three things that have brightened your day? When we talked about me being a guest on your show, I thought, oh, that'll be easy. I'll just sit down and I'll just tell Lisa, here's three things that are are bright in my days uh, out of many, many things. But then when I thought, you know, I started writing and I was like, well, what do I choose? What's the most important ones? And I kind of Mm -hmm. went through this. uh, How do I sort through that? Can I start with this one? So right before the lockdown occurred, my daughter, my oldest daughter, had been working very, very hard to become a personal trainer. It was a passion of hers that she had been pursuing for quite some time. And she was a full-time welder uh, before that. And so at the end of the day, there's not a lot of energy left to study the books. Uh, (laughs) And she made it. She got her personal training certification, one of the most respected certifications. She had a job lined up at a gym and then all gyms closed and everything's Mm. closed and has been the most bizarre year. So a few months back, that started opening up for her and she took on some clients. And you'd think that personal training would be all about, you know, I want to lose weight and I won't name numbers because some of us need to lose more than others. (laughs) Or, you know, I want to look good or I want to put on my beach body or whatever. This is where my daughter has taught me. She said, no, dad, it's not about that. In fact, I talk to people against that. Because so much pressure is being put on people to look just right or be the certain weight. She said, it's about being powerful, being confident and capable and having an internal strength that you use to face a life in situations. And she finds a fair amount of her clients have struggles in life and issues. And she finds herself being, in some cases, a little bit of a counselor, as in, I understand that. And let's make you strong so that we can move through together. 
And just to know that somebody that's related to me is out touching people in the world that life has kind of downtrodden and made them feel like you don't look right or you're not the right height or they're not the right weight or so many pressure that's put on people and she leaves them feeling really, really awesome. I'm not going to give you names, but I saw a picture on Instagram of one of her clients who came and said, I need to show you this. And she has her shirt and it says, I hate you. I hate this place. See you tomorrow. <laughs> and that was a compliment to my daughter. It's, You're making a difference. You're pushing me hard and I'm loving you for that. That's my first bright in my day. And that's something that I'm profoundly proud of, but mostly, and there's a lot of people like her that are out doing that kind of work and really making a difference in the world. I love that. It's about feeling powerful and how we feel profoundly affects how we perform. So it makes sense that the two are related and it makes sense that your daughter is part personal trainer, part coach. That's exactly right. And, and, you know, she's been through her challenges. And so when people can't scare her with their stories, life is, is hard enough. So who needs somebody to say, you know, boy, uh, you put on your COVID-20, Chia, when are you going to get out there and, and get better? And we all should, of course, at, you know, to be healthy. But how about a, man, you look powerful. I love the way that you're confident and you face a, a situations in life with a confidence that I hadn't seen in you before. That's really awesome the way you are. Yeah, that's a goal for all of us to get behind. Thank you for sharing that. And good luck to your daughter. What is the second thing that's brightened your day? I went to a concert in the park down by the riverfront. And there was a, I'll name the band. They call themselves Super Diamond. It's a Neil Diamond tribute band. Oh, and I love it. Exactly. It was so, so fun. But I sat there in the audience and I realized that I was thriving off of being around people. Mm. And there's something authentic to an audience. And, and by the way, in my notes, I said performing arts because people do acting and other public performances. But I don't know if your audience knows, but Lisa, you're a singer and you I perform am. big stages and small stages. And you know that there's an energy that comes from your audience that you don't get if you're sitting in a studio. Oh, yeah. And and it doesn't happen if you're not live. And I, here's the words that I use to describe this. I think there's this kind of this mid-air organic exchange of energies that brings that situation to life. And we're all experiencing this thing together. And what we find is that we're focused more on what we have in common and less about those things that you know might divide us and separate it. And for that moment in time, we're, we're all a family. And I think that's really, really awesome. And I think that bringing live music or live performing arts uh, out of the picture during the pandemic has been very, very hard. One of the musicians, after they asked us, is like, hey, are you happy to have live music? And we all screamed and said, yeah, it was, it was awesome. But he went on to say, and we miss performing. We mm -hmm. love doing that. And performers perform. Because there's something about a true performer that, that needs to connect with an audience and move them. So that concert and live music, and now I'm on a, on a quest to go experience more and more live music now that the doors have been opened again. I just, it's something that I miss and I love it. Yeah. Oh, I'm thrilled to hear that. It's been tough this past year. I still sing with my chorus, but we've had to videotape our part and send it in. And then our amazing video tech puts them all together for a virtual choir. But I mean, they've been wonderful in their own right, but you're right. It is not the same. The energy of the audience, the energy of the people you're standing next to, it's what makes the music amazing. So yeah, bring it back, bring it back. <laughs> I've, 
I remember, Aliza, I'm going to share this story. I remember the first time I watched the Trans-Siberian Orchestra in Portland, Oregon. Oh, my goodness. And I've loved their music. And if you're not familiar, it's a, it's a cross between classical and hard rock music. The composer really said, I'm going to combine the best of everything from every generation. But in one moment that I'll never forget, because the smile on my face was off the charts, <laughs> there was a group of local string section, you know, cello and violin and all that, were very, very traditional performing in the high arts. And then there was the gal that was the lead violin who was with the touring orchestra. And she's up there playing her violin you know, swinging her 18, 20 inch long hair forward and back as she's playing like you would expect a guitarist to do. And the guy playing cello next to her just sat there with these big eyes like, I have no idea what you're doing, but I've never <laughs> played like this before in my life. <laughs> and there was this moment that was shared with nearly 20,000 people in the Coliseum that year. It's just, it's wow. there's something really special that happens when you get people together like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. What's the third thing that's brightened your day? So one of the things that really drives me, and I think you and I have talked about this before, is a lot of the roles that I find myself in, I'm, I'm leading IT transformation. I, I was a CIO and I was driving a group towards excellence. And I had the privilege of leading some really, really excellent people. But one of the things that I find when I reflect on those kind of experiences over my career, over lots of organizations, is when I'm able to make a difference to a human being, when I'm able to lift them up, when I'm able to make them see things in themselves that they didn't see before. And I think that the saddest moment in the human experience, I think, is when a person stops believing in the idea of what I call excellence. They just stop believing that it's possible for them mm. and even for anybody. And I see so many people who used to believe in doing great things that they once thought it was possible, but somewhere along the way, People and circumstances just kind of beat it out of them, and they've kind of given up on that idea. And I think that's really, really sad because mm -hmm. I think everybody wants to be excellent. I think they're universally drawn to the idea of excellence. We talked about musicians, but it's the professional. It's the top musicians that get attention. It's the top actors that get the acclaim. It's the people that win the Nobel Prizes that in sciences and the humanities. We're drawn to people who achieve great levels and are excellence. And so I think that there's that basic human need to want to be part of something excellent. But I think there's so many forces that just kind of pushes that out of people. And just when my kids were growing up, we played lots of games, but one of them that I'm now known for, this happened long before I became aware that dad was made fun of for this. <laughs> I had, <laughs> you know how that goes, right? Uh, I had this saying, and it was the game of Yahtzee. And you know how the, you play that and you, you roll. And if you get a bad roll, you don't get a score because you don't have one of the ones that are listed. And right. So frequently that Yahtzee, you scratch that Yahtzee. It's like, yeah, right. I probably are not going to get five of one number. And so I'll go ahead and uh, scratch that. And somewhere along the way, I determined that the idea of scratching Yahtzee is you giving up on the idea that something great could happen. It could happen. And as soon as I scratch out Yahtzee, then I'm never going to get Yahtzee. Mm. And so for me, that's kind of an approach to life is never give up on the idea that something truly great is possible, that you can do great things. One of the things that leads us astray is this idea that greatness is being an Olympic athlete or making a billion dollars in business or being a celebrity of some sort as if it's an achievement and it's not. Excellence is about being 
better than you have been in the past. In other words, I challenge myself to be better. I challenge you to uplift, to improve yourself day over day, week over week, month over month. And that it's your belief that you can do great things and and never giving up the energy and the drive to actually do that. Never give up on the idea. And so what brightens my day is when I open a door just a little bit to say, I think you can do this. I was speaking at a conference once and I was talking about the workings of IT, you know, which we won't bring in here. That's what I do. <laughs> but there Thank was this, yeah, nobody wants to hear that, Greg. There was this <laughs> lady in the audience that was just kind of staring at me, looking at me in the eye and kind of had that energy of either I'm really annoying you or I'm really connecting with you. And as I continued to talk, she let out this involuntary statement that I heard, I don't know who else heard, but she said, you make me feel like I can do this. And that was a moment that changed me forever because mm. that moment when I was on stage, and trust me, being on stage is a servant's position. It's not a celebrity position. <laughs> Afterwards, when I had the chance to talk to her, she came over and she said, what you said made a lot of sense to me. And I now feel like I can go do this. And I looked her in the eye and I said, you can't. That's the point. And so I look for those opportunities to get people to believe in themselves, to see in themselves the possibility that they could do something truly excellent in their own right and encourage them along their way. And if I can be any small part of that, that is a day brightener for me. Without sounding too much like Bill and Ted, go and be excellent, Greg. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you for being an excellent guest on my podcast. And thank you for brightening my day. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for tuning in to Brighten Your Day. To be a guest on my podcast, email me at HiltonLisaB at gmail.com. That's Hilton with a Y. Special thanks to Clark Hilton for post-production and special thanks to Chris Jones for composing the theme song. <laughs>